I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is The Mentor with Mark Burris. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. We're always listening to our audience's feedback on the show, and people have been asking us to spend more time with each guest to get to the nuts and bolts of their business. So we're mixing it up and going to go one guest per week. Today's guest is Phil Scardigno. Hope I got that name right. Phil is the founder of a company called Monster, great name, which is an online retailer taking on the traditional DIY space. They currently sell paint directly to consumers, making it cheaper than their competitors. And it's still all made right here in Australia. Can't wait to hear all about it, so let's get into it. Phil, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks, Mark. Lovely to be here. Okay, you better tell me how to pronounce your name. Scardinho. Scardinho. Okay, I said Scardinho, but Scardinho. Our producer told me I was wrong, but and now he's right as usual. Okay, mate, tell me exactly what were the steps that sort of you took into deciding to go into this business? How did it all happen? Uh, well, my background uh, been a, started off my father many, many years ago, and we had a small manufacturing business. We were making waterproofing products, and we still do. What, for roofing and stuff like that? Uh, construction, so anything from underground right through to roofing. Right. And we continue to do that with one of our businesses, which is Gripset Industries. But Monster came around because I had a business that was in the Bunnings and the retail space for many years. Um, and that became more difficult and complex to uh, penetrate just with expanding the product ranges that we wanted to bring to market. Our, our products have always been an innovative, clever edge, uh, green friendly, and found that there was a few situations where we just couldn't get more products in just because of the way the corporate retail life is. You mean the way they stack the shelves? Yeah, the way they stack the shelves, but also the category managers. Like, you know, you we would develop a product, for example, that would could go into the paint department or the roofing department or flooring. And if the buyer says, no, I don't want to put it in there, we were restricted to placing it in. So, so I just, just so I just, I just quickly summarize that because you know, a lot of people don't, may not know quite what you're talking about. And this happens by the way, for retail products, whether it's Bunnings or Coles or Woolworths or whatever. So what you're saying is the buyer for Bunnings mm-hmm. or for the superstore, yep. could be Mitre 10, Mitre could be 10, anybody, we were in oh, no, I don't want to pick on Bunnings, yeah. um, makes a, uh, in his discretion or her discretion, makes a decision as to where your product might fit into their shelving and how much your product they want or whether they want your product or not at all in a, in a category sense. Yeah. So 
therefore they were sort of like a blockage in the pipeline for you to get your product to market. And one of the ways you get your product to market today in retail in the retail world is actually in the big the big gorillas like yeah, you know, very, very true. Like Bunnings or Coles or Woolworths or whoever it is, you want to get on their shelves. Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's exactly right. And we'd been in the supply and the trade department for 16 years and uh, the brand was well known. But the problem for me was, you know, in the entrepreneurial side, you always want to keep growing and bringing more product to market. And I remember there was one meeting that I went over to head office and got really pissed off with the, the buyer <clears throat> because he actually said to me, we had a new concept that was solvent-free, non-carcinogenic compared to what they had. Didn't want to troll it out. And so I thought, bugger this, we're going to um, do this differently. And I sort of knew I needed to have a different strategy. What had happened in the meantime, I'd had a plan to go online probably 10 years ago, but timing just wasn't right with everything that was going on in our business. Cut a long story short, one of our competitors took that brand off of us um, about 18 months ago, which suited us fine. That let me trigger this this uh, plan to motion and start an online model where we could get to DIY and trade and renovators direct. And I knew that if I'd had a, my product online that was in Bunnings or anywhere else, Mitre 10, etc., there'd be that price controlling piece. But there was no restriction on what we can do now. So we've started the Monster model based on paint to start with, and we make it. And there's four principles we've got in our business. So we've got fair price where we cut out all the chunk of corporate retail uh, layers of cost, et cetera, and um, rebates, et cetera. We have awesome quality. That's the second principle we, we keep, uh, factory direct or manufacturer direct. And we've got your back, which is our principle. And, and in our product ranges, it's not like buying a, a bag of nails and a hammer where people just go and buy it. A lot of people that are doing renos, even builders, there's always questions they need someone to hold their hand or support. And we found that over the like 16... technical support. Yeah, technical support. And, and we had that for 16 years where we'd always had a 1-800 line, people ringing up, wanting advice, and that really sold the brand and, and made the business. So when we, when we I modelled this one, that was a big piece of it. But with technology now, we're taken to another level. So we can actually... You can be at home, Mark, with a roof problem, get your phone, FaceTime us, Skype us, show us the problem, and I've got crews at our office that will actually walk you through the, the process... And, and guide you on how to solve and, and which product to use. And people trust the manufacturer a lot more than someone in an apron, in, a, in, a, in an aisle, in a store. Okay, no, I, I just want to just ask you to pause it for a second. Time and time again, people come in here with these great ideas and great businesses. There's a common denominator. They are um, innovative people, have been innovating for a long time, they get frustrated because of a problem that presents itself. They know there's demand for the solution and they what they do is they work out a way of delivering the solution. So here we are with, with Phil Scardino and his family who have a renovative family, have been innovating for a long, long, long time. They know the demand is out there for hands, hands-on advice, you know, technical advice for builders or plumbers or whoever they are who use your product, painters, whoever it is. Um, they get frustrated with a problem. In other words, the problem I identified earlier on, with that is getting clogged up at the, at the, at the shelf space within a, a shop. So they come up with a new shelf space, and the new shelf space is using current technology, and that's basically the internet yeah. and phone and mobile devices, I guess is probably the most important thing, and or um, iPads, et cetera, tablets. So, and builders all have mobile phones, and builders all have uh, tablets and um, in their car or somewhere, and uh, that's part of their toolkit today, isn't it? And the renovator, the, the level of detail the DIY and the renovator go to when they're doing their own home 
is extreme, more than what a builder would go to. Okay, and so uh, you've gone one step further now. So you've actually gone straight to the DIY person. So correct. Uh, it's not me, but let's say, um, you know, who could be Huey over here, and uh, he might say, listen, I'm going to have a crack at this myself, and, mm. but I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a waterproofing problem or I've got some sort of paint uh, application I need to make. Um, where do I find it? Does he find you on the internet? Yeah, monstershop.com. I mean, the website is set up as a platform, and, and look, we started with paint, but we, we had a launching video, and, this, uh, and where we've started with it is we're calling it the whole new way to buy DIY, and so we're pitching more at the renovated DIY market the trade is there for that we can service, but when you look at uh, what a can of paint costs you in a, in a retail store, Mark, a 10-litre can of paint, um, you're paying a premium, and we can deliver it. You know, we can, we've saved people thousands and hundreds of dollars. Just Which is what a DIY home. wants. They want to sa- they've got to save money. It's That's it. why they're doing it for themselves in the first place. Correct. Otherwise, you'd be getting some builder and they'd be paying a massive premium. Nothing wrong with builders, and then get, they should get a crack and be able to be, you know, they should be able to make a profit. I get it. But a, a, you, what you're doing is you're saying there's a massive demand for your product, your ac- ac- access to your product, and your technology innovation, mm. but th- at a price. So the, the hallmarks of everyone who disrupts, everyone who disrupts, are as follows I sell the same product, but at a cheaper price. So how do I do that? Well, I've got to cut out somebody. Mm-hmm. What technology do I use to cut out somebody? I make it accessible. In other words, it's easy to get online. In other words, it, it, sometimes accessible could be in a store or it could be at a, a shop front you might have it yourself or it could be just a delivery thing. Or, I don't know, but it's in your case, it's an online accessibility. And I make it um, available. In other words, it's something that I can, once I get it, if I need to talk to someone about it, there's advice around it. I mean, I get some help. I do this in the financial services industry, exactly what I do. Yeah. So your, your, your model is what I call a proper disruptive model. And generally speaking, I mean, if your innovation and technology and all the parts that you're putting together can keep up with the demand and with your offering, you'll do really well. Yeah, well, I mean, we're very passionate about manufacturing. I get annoyed where the stories come in. I mean, living in Adelaide, um, you know, everyone sort of bandies manufacturing into the one hole like uh, automotive and uh, all the all the negative stories about Holdens and Mitsubishi we've gone through. But if, I'm a big believer that there's a market and an industry for manufacturing in Australia. The, what you said before about the internet, there's always a consumer that's going to want product and there's always going to be someone who, who can make it. And 3D printing isn't going to start making paints and coatings, et cetera, as, as we are. So I believe that we're in a good space moving forward over the, over the future. But the big thing for us is that we're going to engage other manufacturers around the country. So there's products that we can make, and I've got a decent-sized facility where we can actually produce and get to market. But there's a lot of other products that people want that might not be in our portfolio of products we can make, but there's manufacturers around the country that either can't get through the doors of the might attend to the Bunnings, or it's too expensive because it's very, very costly to get through. And so... Well, you better explain that. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the last year that we had... I mean, you're giving away probably 20%. Is it coming out of your price or is it added, well, being added to your price? Well, the the consumer pays, and that, that's the reality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, you, as a supplier, you've got to pay for it. You've got to give the rebates and the settlement discounts and the... All the other crap that goes with it. Phil, I, I think we should just pause here for a moment because I think you need to explain to people who have got product or an idea about a product who are sort of trying to map out their, their future mm-hmm. in terms of their business, how the pricing works to the consumer if going through one of the big shelf spaces. Yeah, yeah look, I've got first-hand experience of that. So let's call it product, a can of paint. 
And I need to get into every store in the country the next day an order comes. Basically, that's the way the big players will, will want it. So um, we've got the cost of warehousing in every city around the country, basically, or a logistic. Um, and that's going to add X amount, a percentage on. Because what do they expect you to have it there? With that, uh, within 48 hours. Within 48 hours, right. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you can't be on the shelf. Or you just get a black mark against your name, and once you get <clears> sort of a few strikes, you're out. The other thing is uh, you've got what they call a volume rebate. So they'll say, well, we've got 200-odd stores, and so we want 5% or between 5 to 8% off of the price for that. Then you've off got, your price, yeah. So, so if you're selling it for ten for bucks, ten bucks, it's got to come down, right? And so then you've got a. So excuse me, does that? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Because I don't know my, the answer to this myself. But, um, does that mean um, if they they're assuming they sell a uh, hundred cans, a volume of a hundred cans at ten bucks a can, which is a thousand bucks, they want to be able to sell it for nine fifty? No, the way that'll be, I would sell it to Bunnings. My price would be ten dollars to them. Right. They'll add their margin on top, which can end up being on the shelf for let's say twenty bucks. Yep. But then, um, I've when they pay me the ten dollars for what I've, the sale price off that that vol- that rebate will come off. Right. Okay. Then there's a settlement discount, so you get paid on thirty days. Oh, so you've got to wait to get paid, which means yeah. you've got to manufacture the paint, carry the cost. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to, exactly. So there's cash impact there. Then you've got your um, advertising rebate. So you might get into the, your catalogue a couple of times a year. But and they charge a, for that? 3%. No, well, you're just a flat rate. And then when you then you've got to have people that go into stores and stack the shelves because oh you got to do that yourself yeah or you got to pay someone to do that right. so when you add all that on the, the the reality is you don't sell your product for ten dollars you end up selling it for twenty dollars to cover those costs or whatever that percentage is and then that's where the margins applied by the retailer on top so when you look at all the fat and retail uh, the fat that's involved in a in the cost of a product on a shelf you know I used to have mates coming to me oh we bought your product on the weekend I'm going you know. You, you, you feel bad almost but knowing what they paid when if and really the rule is if, it's, if it sells for ten dollars it's normally on the shelf for thirty that's that's right. what it ends up being and so I don't think this is the last space with the way master's demise was in Australia um, it just cut out a major player you've got two juggernauts in there now Metcash and, and West farmers that are running the game and I'm not trying to put them out of business at all but the, the other motivation for me was there were products that we couldn't get to market. And this, this is a platform with Monster that we can get the Because there's no shelf space. No shelf space. Well, they don't want to take the risk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, the metrics in a, in, a, in a major retailer is they'll measure every square centimetre yeah. of space on the shelf. Yeah. Because they're and selling real estate. Exactly. And if the yeah. KPIs aren't there and the stock turns aren't there, so they can't afford to take the risk. But as we know, with the internet, there's unlimited shelf space. Yep. We can put something online. If, and we can listen to the customer and bring out what they want. And Don't need warehouses everywhere. Need one warehouse shipped from one warehouse correct, to wherever correct. it is. And so, um, <clears throat> still cheaper. Still cheaper, but you, it's not cheap product. That was the that was the main thing for us. And I, I said to our chemists, when we release these products, they're going to be high quality. Make sure that we've got products that the market's going to want and come back with, and and you build your brand, your reputation from there. And I'm a big believer in that because at the end of the day, if it's crap. You won't get the repeat sales. And being an internet business online, the transparency of online now, if you sell a crappy product, it's going to- Everyone will know about it. It's going to spread, exactly. So it's got to be the opposite. We've got to give good stories. But there's a lot of opportunity, Mark, in this industry now because um, we've been able to give free color consulting just through the online model. Uh, People can ring up. There's no cost to that. Our our people are trained. They know our products. Um, And I believe that there's an opportunity to take it even further. I know everyone's talking about Amazon in Australia. I, and I'm not saying this is Amazon proof, but the uh, the reality is we've got a brand that no one's going to say, oh, it's, I can find it somewhere else. This product is only 
available, well, these products are only available on our platform. And we'll actually be able to generate a, um, a following and just create more product into the, into the space and into our portfolio. Um, and, you know, we're starting, as I said, we're starting with paint. We've got a, the next 12 months, we've got to roll out of a whole lot of other products we're going to bring out. So you're building, has you got a portfolio in your mind? What your portfolio is? Oh, well, we, yeah, we've got sealers, we've got adhesives, we've got sealants. Are these mostly directed at painters? Uh, look, a lot of it's just, it is all general trades, but I have to say it's more the renovated DIY. I mean, right. you know, I know. No, but I meant the painting process in DIY. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, but even like bathrooms, you know, the bathroom renovators, kitchen, kitchen renos that people want to do if you've pulling up old floors, carpets, and you need new new flooring down. We've got products for those sorts of applications. So it's not just the painting. You know, you'd be surprised what people try and have a go at and have a crack at. And when they're renovators and DIYers, they'll take the time, but they'll do their research and they want to do it properly. Then you've got the other model with the flippers where, you know, there's professionals out there now that are actually just yeah. – Buying, buy product, buying yeah. houses, you know, yeah, doing they, a bit they, of work on it. They pretend to live in it for a year and they, they probably they do. They probably and make, make a profit and off they go. And yeah. we've, we've been seeing that even through some of the, the social media piece that we're doing with at the moment where we've had uh, people using our products and it's almost a profession. You know, young couples that uh, worked out that while they've got jobs, this is a passive income piece from them and they can, they can make... Uh, and can I ask you this? Let's get into the pricing concept. Yeah, sure. Because I mean, everybody struggles with pricing. Um, how do you manage to determine your price to give you sufficient margin but at the same time the price yourself out of the market for what is probably a high quality product yeah look it's pretty easy from our end I mean we like any manufacturer you look at your cost um, and there's got to be a value to it and so uh, once we've got our final cost we've got a factory in delivery around the country and we've got a model for that from anywhere from Townsville to Hobart um, and then you add your margin on top of that. Now, like any manufacturer, volume's key. You know, you don't, we don't want to be a, a premium-based product where you're selling, you know, three BMWs a week. It, we've got to sell hundreds and thousands of units, and that's where we're, we're trying to get to. So um, our margins haven't really changed from when we were in the other space. It's just the cost structures dropped alleviated big time exactly you know and which means your margins increased exactly right yeah. and your cash it's cash positive business immediately because you're actually you know it's called credit cards so you're getting paid you're not waiting for the retailer to, or some small store to sometimes stretch you out to 45 60 days and so from that model it is a much cleaner and you're in control of your destiny and that was a real big motivating piece for me you know like i love dealing with our customers and our, and our staff and our crew get to talk to the public Whereas before we're going through the sort of the the old triangle where you get a, a store staff talking to the consumer, if they give the wrong advice, guess who pays? It's it's the that it comes back to the supplier who's got to help out. We can make sure that the consumer gets it right, gets the right advice, um, and they can ask questions. There's an open forum to come back to us. We've got toll free lines, as I said, we've got FaceTime, Skype, um, email, etc. That they can ask their questions, and and we've trained our people up, and we see that piece growing more and more. There's you know a few old tradies that we know that are trying to get off the tools that we can get involved with there in our business to give advice out, and people are looking for that. You know they trust either a manufacturer or someone who's been a professional doing the work um, more so because you know we would spend money training staff members in stores, and then you go back to the store a month later, and then the garden department or they've left. You know, and, that, and, and that knowledge is gone. Yeah. And it's a big cost to any supplier. And so the middleman ground, as you know, Mark, you know, with internet now, I see that is where the piece that's probably at most risk. But like I said, I do believe that manufacturing in this country is still, there's an opportunity to, to make a go of it. And uh, if you've got, if you're making 
commodity lines, you're probably on shaky ground. If you're making stuff with innovative features to it and a, and a smart model, then there's a big future. And, and this is a scalable business for us. You know, I see this, that we can take this on and, and um, New Zealand, we've, we've been very strong in New Zealand in the past in that market and we do a bit of work in Asia on our, my other business. And so I, I, there's opportunities to take this elsewhere for sure. So like, and what Phil has just spoken about is the, the concept of um, prior to the internet, there's this concept of what they call intermediation. What that basically meant was that between the manufacturer and the consumer was a someone there was an intermediate step and what they call them as intermediators and the intermediate step was usually the distributor which is in the case what we're talking about is you know Bunnings or Mitre Tan or Coles or Woolworths um, and and what that was called the intermediation process in other words consumers needed to go to one place to look at all products available from all manufacturers um, and then the manufacturers had nowhere else to go they had no choice they had to deal with these intermediators with the internet, the advent of the internet, and more importantly, online access and being able to buy online, not just knowing about the price, but being able to actually transact online, we have this concept called disintermediation, which is where the manufacturers are getting rid of the intermediators. Well, not getting rid of them, but actually watering down the intermediators, the, the watering down their effect or their importance, which allows the consumer to go back direct to the manufacturer, would buy from the manufacturer, treat with the manufacturer, talk to the manufacturer, which at the end of the day is by far the most efficient process. And that's one of the great advantages of the internet. It builds efficiency, total efficiency. I, I want to talk to you about, you know, people listening to this and they're probably saying, well, I, well, that's great. I mean, how did he come up with the name Monster? It's a great name. I mean, yeah, M-O-N-S-T-A. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, if, if, I'm glad you didn't call it uh, Scardino because people <laughs> will never be able to find it. I mean, it's a great name. It's a cool name. It sounds very cool. But uh, um, um, but the, probably most people like me wouldn't have been able to pronounce it in the beginning. Well, yeah, so no, that's a good name, Monster. We. Uh, it was funny. We. I, I had a little plan that I'd put together over a couple of years and had all these different names. I'd called it Tradie. I called it Scarware. I was starting to play with all different stuff. And then when we'd had the model set out, I had a digital marketer and my sales and marketing manager were together in, a, in our boardroom just going through brainstorming names. And Justin said to me, he goes, look, what are you going to call this thing? And I, I, don't know. I said, but if we're going to go up against these bigger buggers, we're going to need to build a monster. And he goes, well, why don't you just call it that? And I thought, yep, all right, let's stick with that. And it's so, a great ambitious name. I love it. Yeah, and it's scalable. We want to be a friendly monster. We're not a scary one, mm. but big enough to take on the uh, the Goliaths out there. And What's interesting about that? That's an interesting point you just said about um, big but not scary. Um, I remember <clears throat> St. George the Dragon, Friendly Dragon, yes. the, the bank. Um, when they first started, um, they came across – they used to do typical television ads, but um, they came across as a very, very friendly dragon. Um, and St. George's – the bank's best days, in my opinion, as a brand, were when they were the friendly dragon. Mm. And uh, it was a, the, the dragon was drawn friendly. Um, they actually had a guy who did ads who was the CEO of the bank um, who used to sit there with, and behind him was a singer and she used to stand behind him and she introduced him. He sat behind a desk and he, he was a very benign-looking chap. Um, I knew him um, and he was actually the CEO of the bank. And you can have a very friendly monster. Yeah. And people like them. And we didn't. We deliberately didn't put a, an image of a monster in the logo. We wanted to have everyone have their own concept of that in their mo- own mind. So the logo. Well, there you go. I just had one then. A friendly exactly. monster. And, and so you know, because I, I thought I look, the first thing I thought of was the Monster Inc. film my kids watched, and I thought, now nah, let's just keep it something that the it's in the eye of the beholder and the experience they get with us, and then they can create that. But um, yeah, look, where do people refer to as monster? 
Not like you, but I'm into that. I get called Chief Monster. That's that's yeah. uh, that's how I play off that. Um, but the business, yeah, Monster. I mean, we had we couldn't register Monster.com had been taken, but MonsterShop.com is our domain. Right. M O N S T A shop, and then um, but the, yeah, we're known as Monster, and the branding is all Monster. So if I um, get a, a can of paint, is it called Monster? Paint? Yes, yeah, it's right. Monster Makeover Paint, <clears throat> right. and then there's a bit of a spill in the back, and um, we've gone and done a few little things that we could never do in in the likes of the big bunny stores, and so the packaging we've had a bit more fun with that. Um, look, this is a is a bit of a larrikin brand, Mark. You know, like we take the piss a little bit and um, have a bit of fun with that. I mean, I uh, I put closure to a, a schoolboy uh, crush on Neil McPherson in my video that we had at the start, but. Uh, yeah, we, we had just basically thought this is where we want to go. We want to make sure the Australian public can connect with us. We're not a corporate. We never will be. Um, and we want to make sure they can connect with someone they believe they can trust. And so it's a very personable experience. But, you know, we've only – we launched this Australia Day this year. And so we're having a lot of fun with it at the moment. And it's, you know, the, every day the whole social media world and the online world – is teaching us things. I I'm going to come back to that. The, 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 how do you how do you how do you um, socialise this, or and or how do you market this? Yeah. Um, but I do want to I do want to just <clears throat> again pause for people listening to this because you know you're giving people who are listening to this who have great ideas and are ambitious a great lesson here in um, how you build a disruptive model around a disruptive technology using the internet. And one of the f- hallmarks of these things is you've got to have a brand. You've got to have a you've got to have a reputation. And to get a brand, you because this is all about advertising online. This is digital advertising. Correct. And because you're not on the shelves, you're not actually being advertised. One of the reasons why Bunnings etc. would say you've got to pay us a premium is because they'd say we spend a lot of money on our advertising, which they do. And we have a great crowd coming into our shops every day, which mm. they do. And they say you are we are building your brand for you. You're not spending any money advertising. You are getting the brand built for you by us, and you are getting it endorsed by us because you're on our shelf. That's why you have to pay pay a fee, yeah. pay a fee for it. So, and, and I think that's correct. I actually think it's right. And they have been spending a lot of money over a long period of time, so they do deserve some premium for that. Um, therefore, if you choose not to be going through those traditional intermediaries and you are going to use the digital platforms, you need to build your own brand. Now, one of the first things about building a brand is you have to have a name that people remember. Mm. Um, there's no point calling yourself uh, you know, something people can't spell or you're never going to remember or there's two words which are so – so diluted that uh, and you know and uh, um, politically correct that you know like exactly. I mean, a good example is Virgin. You, you know, no one today would go and do a business called Virgin because they'd think it's um, politically incorrect and it's it's too risky. And, and and you know, but Branson's the genius of this sort of stuff. And a name is critically important. So Monster is a great name, and it gives you some leeway in t- in, in an imaginative sense as to how you market it. So people will remember the name, remember the spelling. It's in your case, S T A Monster, mm. as a, as Monster. Um, and you, you're right; people can create their own imagery about this. But it gives you something uh, that can cut through. Yeah, and I didn't want to be pigeonholed into only building products. I mean, that's what we're doing now. That's what we know. But um, you know, you think ahead, and there's op- opportunity for us to get into different uh, product sectors and uses as a platform. And so it's not called a, it hasn't got a name that refers to a building or a trade or a DIY. It, it can be more. So you see so what you're saying to me, Phil, here is that you want to use the monster name to build a marketplace. Yep. It's got sort of the monster marketplace. So I'm a DIY guy. I want to go to, I, I'm, 
want to do a, a whole lot of things to my house and I'm renovating and uh, – You come and find them with us. Correct. I go to Monster Marketplace yeah. and uh, there I sit there and I'll find paints and sealers and tiles and a whole series of things. So you want to be known as what to do? Well, I mean, what do you want to be known as? What's the message well, right now and what's, what's the evolution, do you think, of the message? It, it's, it's the problem solver. It's the solution place, you know, where you've got – I don't think we're ever going to be selling things like hammers and nails. Mm. You know, there's no money in that. But uh, where you need a product that's um, a, a consumable that's going to need a, an element of assistance and support, uh, either a coating and adhesive where, you know, the structural integrity of the place is going to be key – or the decorative look of it, then I believe that we'll have the answer there. And we've got some really cool, neat products coming out soon that are, you can't find in, in the likes of the big, the big box stores because it's too risky for them. But for us, there is no risk to bring them out. There are some nano sealers that we have that are really um, functional on things like pavers, etc., where you could spill wine or Coke on there and they won't stain. They'll just bead. And clear sealers. Clear sealers won't change the look of it. You know? right. and, and I remember my joint... I could never seal my sandstone pavers because I didn't want to change the appearance of it with what was available, and these allow us to do that. But they're environmentally friendly, so you yeah, know, they stop mould. They stop mould exactly yeah. because mould and fungus all cause. Particularly sandstone, I got sandstone pavers, yeah. and like my my guy Nick, he's every. I don't know, like every three months, he's always yeah. having to put chlorine on it or something. Yeah, he puts a bleach cleaner on there. Exactly right. And so, but you actually get it ends up destroying the the sandstone. The sandstone, yeah. I'll I'll send you a bottle, Mark. Yeah, no, no, no I didn't really, and, and that's, that's cool. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. There, there's an example of. I mean, I'm not a DIY guy, but I know the problem that I have. Yeah. And I'm always sort of ringing over his friends and making. Do you mind sort of giving it a, a hit, especially if I've got someone coming over because it just looks like shit. Yeah, and look, I've got a couple of great chemists that uh, they're both ex in the ex paint industry. You know, we've got a new whiteboard paint that we're bringing out for the home offices and and uh, even kids places where instead of buying a whiteboard where you're restricted by the size, you could paint a whole wall and be a whiteboard. And I love that. I'd paint. like that in my own office. And then that's where because you'd probably know. Mm-hmm. And I know in our office we looked at uh, our boardroom putting up this whiteboard panel, and it was a few few thousand dollars mm-hmm. to uh, put about eight nine square meters of it. And for a couple hundred bucks, you could do the same here. It's also so, funky. I mean, it's cool it to be able to write on your ball, the wall. So the smart – Even people at home. Exactly. And this is where the social media piece gives you the ability to make your own video. No, 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 don't steal our thundery. No, no, hang on. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> Sorry, Socialising. Right. We're going to talk about socialising. Right. We're just going to go to a break. Okay. And then we're going to talk about that next. Great. Okay, we're back here with Phil. Now, uh, we've been talking to Phil about the monster – I'm calling it a marketplace. I, I tend to do this with people that start to invent things for them, but like I'm calling it monster marketplace. But really what monster is is a website or an online website where you can go there to find a DIY solutions around a whole lot of things when you're doing your renovations. Um, and right now the, the first product that Phil's come out with, Phil Scardino, the owner, has come out with his paint, but he has a portfolio of uh, solutions for DIYers. Correct? Spot on. Right. Now, I'm going to leave manufacturing aside just for the moment because I think it's a really important point I want to talk about. But I do want to talk about how you build or how you promote the monster brand, how you socialize it. I want to know how, what you're doing on Facebook, what are you doing on um, Instagram, etc. Yeah. So how are, you telling, how are you getting the story and the message out there? And this is the new learning phase for us. I mean, it, it's – this is the part of my world that's changed in the last six months because it's it's a daily thing now. That's cool. It is a fantastic world. And, you know, I thought a few years ago in truth that, you know, social was was just a lot of stuff that my kids were onto. But I've realized that it's just a way to connect and, and you're dealing with people immediately and you get to listen. More so, I've, I've got more out of hearing what people want 
than actually the other way around. It's a great research tool. Is is magnificent and it's and it's. I think I listened to one of your blogs a few weeks ago. One of the guys was saying it's an underpriced market as far as advertising goes, and that is definite. Totally. Uh, so look, the first six months, I've I've got my marketing manager, and she's um, started a campaign where we daily post on Facebook on our Facebook page, and that's between video and and photo content. Instagram is the same. Can I ask you a question? What's working better, video or, photo, or just or stills? I think video definitely, but on Instagram we see the stills do. Right. Surprisingly, particularly with the paint piece, because people like to see the images, and we, we do have a large at the moment. We've got a large female demographic following us, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's more because we've got a, that decorative piece with the paints. And so on Instagram, we've seen that the posts we put where there's photo images of applications, there's more of a connection to that. Do so you show them the photo then take them into an Instagram video? Uh, you know, Instagram have, video is great. I a, love a, bit, a, bit of, a bit of both. Um, and, and we've had a couple uh, ambassadors, product ambassadors that have been using the product and those videos have really taken off. You'd like to get Scott Cam, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be. Or, wouldn't, so, or wouldn't someone be out of those, those, one of those two videos. I, I think he's might attend uh, contract. Yeah, I'll prevent him from I, I would have that. thought so. But I can guarantee him he'll use a better paint than what he's using You'll on You'll get a site. free T-shirt. <laughs> Um, but yeah, look, we have with, with it. So Instagram has been something that we've because I've got my own personal uh, Instagram page, and so I do more video on that, uh, connecting it back to. How many to people are following you? Uh, on mine, I go, I'm close to a thousand. Yep. on my on my personal. So where where are you getting your numbers in? What, I mean, what how, how are you building your numbers? Organically, yeah. I mean, we we deliberately. I, I had a chat yesterday, and I was, I was I mentioned this to someone that um, we've deliberately in this first six months, put our foot in the water, not our toe, put the foot in the water and just see what has been working. You know, there's, in the Adelaide media, we had a good run with the advertiser and, and a lot of uh, online local, which really spiked the interest. Funny story was, we, we, we thought, we, so we still saw print was important just to get an awareness out there. Mm. And the Handyman magazine, which is in Bunnings, I uh, booked a full page ad, five and a half grand, had all the work done, and then we had someone ring up our marketing manager and tell her that uh, they weren't going to place the ad in because <laughs> it was uh, a threat to Bunnings. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I uh, well, that's a good that's a good sign. Yeah, well, I got annoyed. Better piss you off though. I, I rang him up, and I ended up found out that that's the Reader's Digest, and I, I rang, the, I spoke to the editor, and had a had a long chat with her, and I said, look, um, you can't seriously think that we're going to compromise Bunnings business. I mean, are Bunnings paying for the magazine or the public? And she said, no, it's publicly sub- subscribed. And I said, well, you should let the public see the model that we've got, not you dictate. Who owns the magazine? Reader's Digest. Reader's Well, then. So, you know, the, the thing was, and their threat was that Bunnings put this magazine at In the counter store. and it's and every <clears> ad shows Bunnings on there. And I knew that. And I deliberately wanted to take a full page ad just to. to you should have uh, put out the bottom of your ad um, available on Bunnings when people say, <laughs> why, why can't I get it? You just say, well, I don't know. Just go to my website. Well, I might do that. But um, so then we found that the, the other side of the, the equation was we found a free magazine, the Renovator, and we took a cover out and we're ready to go. And then when they saw the ad, they go, oh, I think that the stores are just going to dump this in the bin, the might attend stores, because um, the stores aren't going to want to promote an alternative. So it was funny. We, we wanted to go with print to start with just to get the awareness out there. But what we're doing at the moment is – now he- heavily getting involved with Instagram, Facebook, talking with influencers, um, brand ambassadors, and also we're tracking, we've got a monster story on our YouTube channel where we're actually finding couples or people that are doing work with our products. YouTube, uh, very powerful. Yeah, and we're tracking that. And so the subscribers and the followers are, are building you know, all the time with that. But um, now is the next phase for us. We're sort of working with PR companies. That's our next part. We want to work with a PR company 
particularly in eastern states, to grow the brand a little bit further. Who, you, get the who will you get? How do you go around finding? How will you go around finding PR company? I got some ideas, but how would you go around finding PR company? Um, look, I've left that to my people at the office, but uh, they've, they've come, the ac- come, come across in eastern states. Yeah, look, it's online or referral. Uh, if you've got recommendations, Mark, I'd love to know. Well, no, I no, I, look, I, I, I think you. My view is you need a small PR group. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I know she's very uh, topical and uh, in some respects uh, like people either hate her or love her. Um, but Roxy Jasenko is very good at uh, these one-off sort of, uh, what I call one-off clients, like uh, one-off clients actually promoting the hell out of them. She's mm. very good, especially on a social sense. Um, and I know this is not a fashion item, but it is sort of fashion because you want to wants to become fashionable. Correct. Um, it's the place to go. Yeah, that's that's sort of it, it's not fashion, but it is fashion in my well, view. Yeah, you, you look. You, I was always battling with trying to. Yes, you want to show people that they can save money, but I really hate the word cheap because our products aren't cheap. They're mm. good quality, but we just cut out all that nonsense that you're going to get with corporate, and you can get it at good value. So we did, we created the brand on our video. We talk about fair price. And fair prices is what we're trying to own, and we believe that. It might sound a bit of a wank, but it's actually true. It's, it's a fair price. You don't pay all the rebates and all the extras, and so you're getting it delivered to you directly. And time is the big asset for all of us at the moment. I mean, people in our um, lifestyles that are busy, you know, I get everything delivered home now, wine, sportswear, et cetera. Why can't I get my DIY? What, instead of me going out and checking out stores and quotes and whatever, I can actually get stuff delivered at home and start the project on the weekend, immediately when I want it, if it's delivered there when I need. So instead of wasting time on Saturday morning driving around. Yeah. And now, if I want a sausage, I'll turn the barbie on at home and I can cook it there and, and get started. I don't have to go to Bunnings well, to, to go. Even and do better, that. don't have a sausage sausage at all. Yeah, have, have, a, have a man shake, um, <laughs> and uh, get up and have yourself a man shake and be real healthy and get rib in. There you go. Exactly right. And uh, and so we're trying to push the whole um, the modern way of living and. Selecting and, and um, buying, and I, I just think that there's this was the last space for some reason. When you look at retail in Australia, you know you you, you look at the statistics in the US and even here now, where certain uh, retailers are going out of business or really struggling. But in the DIY renovating space, that has been one of the last ones to be disrupted, and it might be because of the size of the materials or the complexity of the products that you you want to buy. But I just believe that there was a way of doing that with giving people the support and knowledge they need and comfort that they can come back and ask questions. We have, we have guarantees on our products. We, we give money back guarantees as well. Um, but we want to make sure that before people are using the product that they can get the advice and the support they want to be 100% certain. And okay, we can hold so their hand through the project. But Phil, ha- mate, you've got to take me through this now. So, Certainly. So you're, you're using Instagram? Correct. People follow you. And Facebook, yeah. <clears throat> um, you, are you getting... Uh, consumers or users of your product to put it up on their Instagram page. Uh, page yeah, we've had a couple. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. And, so, and then around. how are you connecting? So like if I don't know about Monster, I do know about it, but if I don't know about Monster um, and I'm looking for, and even if I don't, I might not, might not even know that there's a DIY marketplace like you're, you're creating. So and I might, therefore I might not know to look for one, okay? Mm-hmm. And I might immediately just think, I've just got to go to Bunnings to get all my crap. Um, so how are you using – but I, I accept YouTube's a great channel to see videos of people actually applying a paint or a sealer or whatever it is. Um, how do you connect in an awareness program consumers of your product, 
through Instagram into YouTube? Like, what, have you already just sort of playing around with it at this stage? Well, we are playing around with it, yeah. and and uh, in all honesty, that's our disconnect at the moment. Really, it isn't fluent, and right. and, and we're learning that. And this yeah, correct. Yeah. So, I, and I'll I, I think. There are experts in these areas. I mean, there's a guy up in Byron Bay whose name I'll give you later. I mean, who's very good at connecting all the social medias and he runs a business up there. And the reason he's up there is because he chose to be up there and he's been on the show. Yeah, I think I've heard uh, that. Yeah, and he he chose to live up there because it's a better, just a cool place to live. But he's very good at this sort of um, social media connectivity. Mm. But you've got to have a starting point. You've got to have a point, you, you said it before, the starting point as to who is Monster. Correct. And what they stand for. And print media is very good. Television is obviously very good for that sort of stuff. Radio is very good for that stuff. This is a show is a good stuff. A lot of people listen to this show and they'll yeah. go to Monster. Um, the question is, how do you crack that bit? Now, you're a manufacturer. You're a distributor and a manufacturer of a product line, portfolio mm-hmm. products. And you're very good at that. You know what you're doing. The big challenge for people like you is how do I crack that awareness program and how do I make it fluent yeah. and how do I evolve it? And how do I become the place to go to? How do I tell everyone? Well, I mean, I I see from a business perspective as a business owner that there's more of us needing to have that um, marketing piece. I I believe that manufacturers that want to go in this space and the ones that are doing it well, um, the the middleman now is either the marketer that can Mm -hmm. help them. Which is Bunnings. Bunnings is a marketer. Yeah, but I mean, then (laughs) then, then they're uh, they're also going to control the brand and what goes in there. But if we can do it ourselves and we can make that work, um, we either utilise external parties like this guy mm-hmm. you're talking about up in the uh, Byron, or we we can do it ourselves in terms of making sure that um, we get better at the the marketing piece and how do you connect the social piece because the social media is just now part of the DNA of your brand. And if you get that right, this is a killer. Yeah, um, exactly right. And not monster K I double L A killer. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and and, and I'm, I'm a trademark. Yeah, but I'm serious. Like but this, <laughs> yeah. that, and then you'll then you'll fly. I mean, you'll be everywhere. And 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 like, you know, there's no reason why you can't just. You just have to be Australia for that matter. I mean, you can no, be everywhere course, if no. your product is innovative enough. So th- this is always the key to people who are trying to disrupt these markets. How do I get that part right? Now, for example, in my business, Yellow Brick Road. What I did is I had to do a te- television show. I basically had to pull my pants down and become the you know the, the the host of the Celebrity Apprentice or the Apprentice and the Celebrity Apprentice. Not something I necessarily wanted to do, but I did it to launch a brand called Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. That's why I did that. Um, that's and people ask me why I did it. I did it for that reason. I didn't get paid for it. I did it to get free advertising and marketing and in-program sponsorship. That's why I did that show. Um, and sometimes you have to you have to go and do these things to build. And that's that was you know, I did it that way because it was cheap. The only the currency I was using was myself, yeah, and and the fact that and the currency I was using was a, TV, a broadcaster who wanted to promote a show, so so you've got to work out a way to do this in an effective, inexpensive, efficient way with continuum because it doesn't happen with one article in the, no, of the magazine. It's got a it takes two three years to build this up in people's minds. You know, like nothing has changed in terms of advertising, and that is people have to see the same thing over and over and over again. Before it registers, correct. The mediums or the media has changed. Whether mm. you use the internet or uh, you know the online advertising space or digital marketing or television or whatever, radio, etc. And and in some in some cases, for example, um, there's a group called Prosper. Now, Prosper is a business lending solution. So this is an organisation lends money to people to you know run a business. 
and uh, and it's, it's all online, etc. But what's interesting is I see them advertising on Triple M here on the grill team because the grill team, radio is very effective actually because I think it's one of the most effective things in terms of trade Yes. What you're talking about, Correct. particularly like the grill team here. I mean, you're from Adelaide, but this the grill team here talk to tradies big time, and Prosper, which is a disruptor, um, is actually uh, counterintuitively is actually advertising their brand to tradies through the grill team. Now there'll come a stage where they'll be they'll have done it enough over enough number a number of years that people will just go directly to their website, yeah. and they won't need to spend any money. They might just need to do top ups every now and then. But that part you've got to you've got to crack. It's not just PR, but it's sort of someone um, giving you really good digital marketing advice. How do you get your brand and your message out there, and how does it stick? And we acknowledge that that's the skill set we don't have. I yep. mean, um, you have to buy that in. Correct. And mm. so, you know, one day we might have someone internally that uh, would be in house on that. As, well, that's as always much big enough. That's the most efficient. Correct. But right now, at this point now, you've got to find a dude, yep. um, male or female, who can. Pee out the shit out of it, um, and also help digitally market it. And I um, mean, you know, and I, I mentioned to you, or socially market it in a, a digital social sense. Mm. Now, the guy from Byron Bay, he, that's his go. Um, someone like Roxy Jasenko, she could PR. She's old school style PR, but no, I mean, when I say old school PR, she makes a noise about things and puts it up on Instagram. But like, she's old school in that regard. Influencers are very important to you. Yeah, and um, we're seeing that now. You know, your trade influencers. Yes, you know, like like uh, I don't know. You know, like I mean, this is a ridiculous example. I know, and you're not going to get him, but someone like Scott Cam is yeah. a is a very big trade influencer. Correct. Um, you're not going to get him because you know he'd be restrained. But you got the, the, we looked at you know there's the likes of him, there's the likes of the Jamie Jury's, the Baz. Yeah, you know, Jamie's a good 10, example. All, all yeah, those yeah. guys, you know, because they do connect with both the renovator and the trade and the DIY. And also some of the influencers. Like I know, sorry to interrupt you then, yeah. for, but like I'm getting excited here. But like some of the influencers that are that we could talk about, is, you know, uh, loved. Um, uh, com- contestants on the block, yeah, but who have never got a, gers- a jersey, jersey anywhere else. But they might have seven hundred fifty thousand um, followers oh, on yeah, Instagram, correct? Now, because they build up during the block, which is why a lot of people actually get on the block hmm. and they get on these shows. I mean, people came on the Celebrity Apprentice to build. I know they did. They came on to build up their um, social ne- social network on digital. And some of them had up to 700, 800,000 followers after my show. So they would have gone and done Big Brother. Then they went, we did something else. They might have Survivor or something like that. And they go and build, and then they become an influencer and they make money then. They just, because yes. every time they, you know, pick up a bottle of Coca Cola, they get paid a hundred bucks or something, you know. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and exactly right. these people in your. Segment, yeah, they're, they're very important. They're and, the ones. And that's the phase we're at the moment. We've identified a sort of a blanket uh, A to Z chart of who we'd like uh, around the country. Both male and female, professional and amateur. Because do you, okay, do you know there are there is a company? Um, I just can't think of their name um, for the moment. Jesus, I'm sorry, and I'll tell you later. But uh, there is a company right now who actually matches people like you, advertisers, um, you know, business people, with influencers. So they run a marketplace for people like you. And they'll say, okay, for what's your product? Okay, we'll find an influencer for you. Yeah. They pick up a little clip on the inside. Yeah. The influencers are registered with them. And is it, that's Tribe, is it? 
Tribe. Tribe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yep. so, so Tribe will do it for you. And Tribe's been on my show before. So okay. so th- they are running this business and they do these sort of uh, matching processes mm. or, and or and they give you, they say, well, it's going to cost you a 1000 bucks a yep. year or whatever. It's much cheaper, by the way. Oh, really cheap. Compared to the rebates I was paying in Bunnings, it's totally. much cheaper. <laughs> or, or, or compared to what you might have to pay on radio or television or, or, or in, you know, TV Yeah, look, school. it definitely is underpriced social media piece and, and we want to capture that and we want to be good at it. And we see as an online business, it's so important because at the end of the day, the traffic and the, and the uh, attention is online for us. And so the, the uh, logical connection is going from social straight to your web page or your landing page or the buy page. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, you, and you, I guess you've got to get all that web design stuff right too. So what, yeah, are, you, what well, are you doing there in terms of your IT? Yeah, or, so your, we, or, your, or your online designing stuff? So we've, we've, we're pretty happy with that. And that's where we held off on the launch. We spent probably a good nine months developing that. And um, Justin Wilden in Melbourne has been working with us on that as our digital marketer for that, that piece and getting that right. He works closely with our office and, and my marketing manager. And they, um, yeah, the challenge for us at the moment is actually reviewing that website constantly. And we're having to actually already look at, okay, in 2018, these are the changes. Because as you bring new products out, we're finding that where people are going to is your homepage and the buy paint page. All, this, all the other tabs like about us yeah. and everything else, yeah, people flick on them, but not at the intensity they do on the homepage and, and the buy paint page. So that's where you got to capture their attention. And get efficiency there too. Exactly. And the mobile piece. Yeah. You know, website's got to be, be mobile. mobile. Because, I totally, you know, totally. if you're on Facebook, I don't then go back to my computer to check out a Do you know a, what? A I do not use a tablet or a laptop and I'm for anything. That, and I'm actually questioning myself now that if I could get VPN off my phone... I don't think I'll have a laptop anymore. It amazes me the number of people who have websites that are not mobile, mobile friendly, and uh, it annoys the crap out of me. Um, yeah. You know, and you get in there and you just can't work your way through it. And uh, you know, and I don't know. Just, I mean, they are sites who were built a couple of years ago. And, and simplifying then, that piece, and and, and then and that's where our attention is at the moment. And so you've always got to look at your website because obviously that is now your shop, and that, that is your story, and that's your brand, and people will make a, a first impression on that. Uh, but yeah, that that's the key piece for us now. Okay, so so we covered off some pretty important stuff here. Like, I mean, obviously, there's a problem being identified. There's a skill set that you have to solve the problem. There's the, your ability to manufacture because you've been doing it a long time. So you, you have the knowledge and uh, experience in that territory. So you're confident about that. There's that. There's the whole concept of how do I price? In other words, to disrupt, I've got to price it a certain way. And then ultimately, then after all that, of course, you've got to tell people about your product. And we just talked about the the because this is not easy stuff. The complexities around um, how you socially m- market and when you actually do it. You I mean you can't do it, go you know balls and all day one. You've got to actually do it over a period of time and evolve it. And it's sort of a little bit of intelligence um, learning about you know how, how do I make it more efficient. And I'm not going to call it artificial intelligence. It's no. real intelligence, human Definitely, intelligence. Yeah. And probably over time it will be AI. But um, right now it's how do I do it myself um, and. The, uh, the 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 big piece out of all this is you know do I have capacity? In other words, if I got an order for ten thousand cans of paint, um, which is you know sometimes it's better not to have great marketing or um, monster killer style marketing day one because it, it might be a challenge in terms of supply. And I mean I know and that's a that's a build up process. Yeah, um, and we deliberately have done it that way. Like if I had it my way, I, I wanted to start with every product that you could find that you could make. And then my team said, Phil, you're gonna drive us Pull crazy back. on yeah. that. And so we just started with paint deliberately because it's the most complex one with colours, selections, etc. And then we'll add to that. We wanted to nail the more complex one first. So it's been a very planned process. It wasn't just sort of oh we'll pull paint out of our, our backside. It was that was the first one. And then we're gonna bring out the products that are not 
uh, more uh, decorative where I don't need a sample cart or a sample pot. I just look it online, I like it, and I'll buy it. Yeah, right. Well, I think for people listening, they've got to this, – this, there's, there's a big plan in all this and there's a big strategy in all this. And to some extent, you can't actually draw it up day one. No. Um, you have to evolve it and walk as a walkthrough. And you need uh, patience and you need you know people around you who are you know patient but they're high quality people who are, have the ability to bounce around a little bit intellectually like uh, move 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 from space to space like what I call shape changing and um, because if you don't change shape you're going to be a target and uh, you're going to fuck it up you've got to just be able to move it around a little bit and just be prepared to change the shape as you go through. I always, and I think this is a great idea. I love it. I love the brand. I love the idea of it. I love the disruption process. Um, um, I'm I'm all for putting competition up to the big guys. I don't think anyone's ever going to replace the big guys. I think there's no. always going to be a place for the shelf space marketers Correct. and distributors. Um, but there's also but what is emerging is these massive alternatives, which is what you're doing, your marketplace. Phil, I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me one question um, mm. because I don't have – we don't – you don't have enough time to answer any more than one question. But do you have a question for me? I certainly do. I have a lot of questions for you, Mark. But the one that uh, I probably would like to get your your uh, thoughts on is uh, as you grow your business – I mean, I've, I've now got uh, 26, 27 people that we employ. The people piece is actually the most difficult thing as you grow in you know, culture, and I'm sure you've been through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying to you before, you know, the the, uh, the challenge now is I'm finding in the marketplace, and I can see in the crystal ball, we've got from baby boomers that might want to work part-time through to millennials and kids out of school, you've got a massive change in people age levels. And how do you, the culture building and, and the persistence with people, like the most frustrating thing for me is when you find someone who you think has got potential but the drive's not there. And, and, and uh, Adelaide's not a market like Sydney where you can just pull people out of anywhere. You've got to, you've got to try and work and grow your people. Where do, you, where do you sit on terms of how long you persist or try and build or you just sort of look to bring in others from the, from, uh, the external and, and, and that culture building piece? Because that, they sit behind me and that's a key piece of my brand and the business itself. Um, a, you've got to have a leader. Um, and I assume that's you in your case, um, in your business's case. So they need leadership. And um, so I think it's very important from my point of view to um, sort of build the same feeling of leadership. Um, I I struggle with the same concept. So, you know, I've gone from businesses where start off with three employees to, you know, 2,000 employees in various businesses I've been involved in. And it's a, I, it's a perennial problem that I've always had um, and – because I was always trying to solve it, and that's not the way to look at it. You can't solve it. You have to evolve it. So the game here is continually revisiting the culture in your organization to see how the culture's going, and then working out what you need to do at the time. So you've got to live at the present. Don't try and look for the future. Mm-hmm. Don't try and um, be prescribe, prescribe something for the future. There's, this is not about taking penicillin because you've got a sore throat. You will not fix it that way. It's just not fixable. You have to be continually watching it. Now, what I've recently done in my Yellow Brick Road business, for example, is I've actually uh, promoted and um, built and authorized what I call a culture committee. And there are only women on it. They're leading women in our organization, not the only leading women organization, but a, a, a group of leading women I've chosen. There's five of them. And their job is to meet every couple of weeks 
and uh, devise uh, things that help the culture within our organisation. Now, right now, I've probably in the within the Yellow Brick Road organisation, I might have like fifteen hundred people around the country, um, in various places in the country. So, you know, I've got to, people everywhere. So, I have to try and make sure people don't get the remote feeling that they're no one, no one's yeah. loving them, no one gives a shit about them, or, or more importantly, I get these competitive people. So, the culture committee made up of women is about is all about making sure we don't become too blokey. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Um, and by the way, some of the guys objected to me building an all-woman culture club, yep. um, culture committee, um, and they report directly into me and they tell me, and I listen to what they've got to say. And the, the women I have in there are varying ages, varying um, parts of the business, um, different cultures, personal cultures of their own, um, you know, different views and values. And I'm trying to get them to build values for me as as my organisation um, evolves. Uh, yeah, yeah, as it evolves, and and what is attractive. Mm. And I will never get it right, but I will continually be addressing it. And I think that's what you have to do. And as yeah. you get bigger, and it's one of the reasons why people like Bunnings, for example, and I, because I'm, I'm not here to bag Bunnings, and I know not, no. I know you're not, a, but. Those organisations take the view that they're entitled to charge you these big premiums to put your stuff on their shelf because they built this stuff and they have to manage it daily. And yep. to do it, they've got all these layers of costs everywhere because the very thing you're talking about, they've been managing for 20 years and they still manage every single day. And it's the biggest pain in the you know butt that you can possibly have is the building and managing and evolving the culture within your organisation. We'd all love to think it's all wonderful and it's, you know, Jeff Bezos at you know, Amazon, everyone. I can tell you now, there will be 20 people who are totally on side and there'll be, you know, 20,000 who are totally pissed off. Yeah. They think they're not getting the right job, you know, and it happens within the banks and I have a lot of experience with big banks here. I was at General Electric for many, many years. The same thing applies. You know, G had this, you know, major global conversation and their own language nearly. And, you know, and they had all these processes they used to go through. But it was all looked great, you know. But uh, you know, Jack Welsh built all this stuff, you know, yeah. the famous Jack Welsh. But, like, I can tell you now, below the, below the surface, everybody is the same. Mm. I work too hard. I don't get paid enough. My bonus wasn't enough relative to the guy in front of me or next to me or below me. You know, it's the same stuff over and over again. So there is no universal solution for this to the question except evolve and make sure you're evolving with it. In other words, you're not saying, everyone, you've got to be like me. No, not at all. I don't want clones. I I actually want to – you want to develop your people. You want to learn from them as well. And – it's just the dynamics. I looked 10, 10 years ago, the, the, the people that made up my business, numbers and age group was a lot different. And I can see that changing. Like, you know, my son's going through year 12 at the moment. He's talking about doing a degree in commerce. And I'm thinking, shit, you know, you're going to have these 21-year-olds coming into the, uh, into the group. That's completely different than dealing with a couple 60-year-olds, you know. Totally. But we've got to make it all work. Um, and I think there's, if you can do it right, what comes out the other end is actually a really unique business because you you can – understand the the way that the the younger ones are work, uh, thinking and they do I mean I've got a young 24 year old and he's a, he's changed my perception on on how I understand these guys use mobile they don't know a life without it totally you know I mean they don't know what a bloody fax machine is and a dial up phone and and uh, so these sorts of things are um it's always a learning phase but it's that culture piece what what's important to them can differ to you know someone might be 3 or 4 years away from retirement in my organization but they, they're at both ends of the spectrum. They're very important to, to where we go. And uh, as as we become more successful, you're going to need more of these people. So, 
It was uh, great to hear that. The, evol- the evolved piece, I think, is, is probably, and it sells to- my mind that I'm not doing it wrong, but we've just got to keep uh, staying on track with what we're doing, which is we are trying to evolve. There's a famous old guy in the Old Testament. His name was Solomon. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, his greatest attribute was listening. And Kerry Packer, whenever I used to go and meet him, he would just ask questions, very rarely answer them. And he was one of these guys who was always prepared to evolve, even though he was a stodgy old bugger um, you, and uh, cranky as hell. He was the best evolver that I've ever met. And, you know, right down to things like, you know, and he was a, he, he was a, a, a great um, disruptor, World Series cricket, etc. You know, he, he bought uh, eBay into Australia. Mm. He was the first guy to do a, 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 a partnership nine and with Microsoft. You know, it was a yeah. big deal in those days, you know, building, you know, search engines, etc. Um, and Kerry was, and he did it through listening. Kerry was not a reader because he was dyslexic. So he yeah. didn't read his information. He heard his yeah, information. Yeah. And he recognized that things had to change and evolve. And he would sit there and ask questions. So maybe one of the things I take out of this is I'm always asking questions. Mm-hmm. I take the view, and this show is called The Mentor, but I take the view a mentor should ask questions, not answer them. Yeah. Um, and I think as, a, as an owner of the business, the proprietor of the business, the leader of the business, as the inspiration of the business, you need to be asking everyone questions and be the great listener and then be prepared to opine and be Solomon and make the call. That's what I reckon. Love it. All right, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming in. It'd be very great to be here. Thanks, Thank mate. You.